0: morning. It's so good to be up here. If you don't know, my name is Chris Vincent. I am one of the elders here at church, and like Dave has indicated, um, he's got extreme jet lag is what I think is going on. Um, So it's a pleasure to be up here. I wanted to just take a moment and just I just, I just want to thank the church for just the kind words and some notes that I've been receiving, filling in some of the gaps here, and my family doing different things as part of this ministry. I, I wanted to share with you that it's so kind, and I'm, I'm hopeful that what I do here could be just an example of just the goodness of God and and just how um, he, he can bless a church, because um, I'm going to stumble through these words. So please, you know, give me a second, but you know, God has just blessed my family so much. He's blessed me so much, and there's no place I'd rather be than, than in his church serving the church. And so I hope that your words are very kind, and I thank you for it, but I hope really um, you just see the goodness of the Lord and his blessings on you and just, the, just what it means to be in a church and being able to use the gifts that he has given you. So, so thank you for your notes. I always feel like I need to thank Dave because the confidence that he has in me, I am so grateful for that. I'm sure Dave is just like, we a whole week off, two weeks off, but it's not lost in me, just um, the privilege it is to be up here sharing God's word. So thank you and thank Dave, and um, I hope God continues to bless you through whatever ministry that my family is doing here. So enough of that. So we are going through um, another psalm this week. So I kind of talked about this last week, just, just why the psalms are just so important for, for helping us um, have that good example of how to pray through different emotions, different feelings, um, and just, just the realness of that that like, comes into our life with those emotions, I think the way it kind of works, you know, when you kind of look at church culture and you kind of look at secular culture, you almost sometimes see these two extremes where in the church, emotions are just kind of very, you know, we're guarded. We approach emotions with suspicion. Um, when people are, are too emotional, we're just like, whoa, take it down a notch. That's not cool. Uh, and, and we're very stoic in church culture. Um, Whereas you compare that to our culture, at least the the secular culture, and you see the opposite extreme of how emotions almost become this this truth of like your personal truth. The way I feel, the way that this emotion is impacting my life, that's my truth. It becomes your world, becomes your worldview, Um, and you start to center your life around emotions. and I think both of those extremes are, are things that we have to be careful for. And so when we start to ask the question, what what is the right balance? And what is the right approach to these very real emotions that we experience in our life um, and how we are to bring those before God? That's the Psalms. And that's the example that the Psalms are supposed to give you. And even the prayer that we read, the prayer of Moses, that one Psalm, you can just see... Um, We read it kind of matter of fact and just kind of read out loud, but it it is emotional. And there's a crying out that's going on. And so we want to read Psalms for that reason. It helps us to understand these emotions that we experience and these feelings. um, God has given them to you. They're not something to... Suppressed. They're not something to get rid of. They're not something to avoid. They're not a symptom of a problem that needs to be like erased from your life. Um, they are a gift from God to help you understand something internal going on. And and really, the big question that Psalm Psalm eighty eight or any Psalm helps us to answer is what do we do when we are experiencing that deep emotion, joy. Um, darkness, and everything in between. This morning, we're going to kind of go through Psalm 88. Um, Surgeon General Warning. Um, there's the title. Um, we were kind of saying some very great songs towards this. Um, it's going to be kind of a sad warning. It's okay. Um, because we're okay with emotions now. Um, what I want to do when we go through Psalm 88 is I just want to recognize the heaviness of it. I'm going to recognize the weights of the words. Um, It's one of those psalms where I can probably get the point across in just a few minutes. Um, Yes, got it. Sadness. It's bad. Um, But we're going to kind of hopefully open it up just a little bit, Um, but I don't want to linger too much on it. I just want to pull a couple things out of Psalm 88, and at the end, I want to give us a little bit of a ski jump because psalm eighty eight it's it's unique in all of the psalms. Uh, it's this one and one other psalm psalm thirty nine where you have this expression of of darkness, you have this expression of lament, and there's no ski jump. In fact, if you're to translate psalm eighty eight literally, the very last word of that literal translation from the Hebrew into English is the word darkness. And so um, it's a unique psalm in that you're kind of going through it, going through the verses, looking for the happiness, looking for the joy, looking for anything that's going to kind of make your week go a little bit better. It's not there. And I think that in itself is is fascinating, that this exists in Scripture, that God has given us this kind of, of, of um, psalm for us to kind of learn from, understand, and see what's going on. The couple of things I want to point out, again, I don't want to pull everything out, but just a couple of things. So let me kind of take you through Psalm 88, pull out those very important things. Because again, our focus is, is not on, you know, we have these emotions, but Psalm is helping us focus on what do we do when we're experiencing these things? What's the right path forward? How do you... When you're going through tough times, pray through those tough times, through those dark moments, and and be able to go to God with those emotions and find a path forward for what you're experiencing. Um, So so whether today you feel like you're going through that, um, I hope this is a blessing to kind of help you and have a tool for thinking through how can I move forward through dark times, Um, If you're in a season of joy and happiness, I am glad that's a celebration. Um, But life is tough, and I think this is a great thing to have in the back of your mind the next time God does take you through a season that is not full of joy, not full of happiness. One of the the things that I think can happen to our faith that that can wreck it is when you approach some situation that you're not prepared for or you don't see Scripture clearly and how it speaks to that situation, and then you start to question the goodness of God, you start to question if God is even present in your life. Let's let Psalm 88 kind of be that, 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 that Scripture that helps us through those times, understand how we can get through that, understand what God's response is to those tough times. So that's the mission today. Like I said, it's going to be heavy, but we'll we'll have the ski jump at the end, and it'll be great. Let's find out. Psalm 88. Let's go through a couple of the first couple of verses there. So it starts off by saying, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you, Turn your ear to my cry. Now, this is one of the, I think, important things to pull out from the scripture. First two v- verses lay it out very clearly. Um, what is the time period that's going on here for, for this crying out from the psalm? As, as, as the author's crying out, we see that it's not a short amount of time. Day and night, they are crying out to the Lord. There is a prayer that's being offered up day and night. And this right here, I think, is an important starting point for understanding darkness and just what it means to be going through that. And that's a recognition that it could last a long time. There's there's things that happen in our life. There's tragedy that comes into our life. And there should be a recognition that that there's a period to go through that darkness and the, the difficulty that happens with it. And you know this is, again, another one of those cultural observations of how we try and, and short-circuit that time period of going through tragedy. We try to get through it very quickly or shorten it. We feel like if it's extending past a day, past a week, past a month, um, there's something wrong, right? But... This right here, I think, helps us understand that it's possible that when we do experience dark times, it can last for an extended period. The question that becomes, when we're in those dark times that is not short but can extend through long periods, what should our response be? How should we conduct ourselves? How do we go before the Lord? We read on through the next couple of verses some of the things that the the psalmist does. I won't put this up here, but just follow along in Scripture here with me. Verse 3. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart With the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. And so these first couple of verses, there's this crying out that's going on. There's this, this just raising all of these dark issues before the Lord. These first couple of ones, just kind of look at those. We kind of see him just doing the laundry list of all these external things happening in his life. That's just bringing that tragedy into his, his life. He then continues on in verse 6 and starts to also reflect eternally or internally of these, these dark things happening on. And he says, I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths, Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your ways, and you have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day and spread out my hands to you. So this is, again, I think where we start to get nervous. Like, where, where's the happiness? Where's, where's the joy? Is this all it's going to be? And and the, the author is just singling in on the darkness that's just external to him, just looking at the darkness that is also inside of his heart, inside of what's going on. And and to me, this is why Scripture is so beautiful. See, God is, is not afraid of, of this kind of language and, and people coming to him with this honesty. And the reason why I think the Bible is just so incredible is because it acknowledges the realities of your and my life. It acknowledges a fallen world and the sinfulness. And it does not shy away from that. Um, one of the things I like, you ever, you guys watched The Princess Bride before? Classic movie. The best movie ever, right? And there's a scene between the princess and between um, the dread pirate Roberts, and they're arguing. And the princess just like recalls and says, "You're causing me pain." And then what's his response? And shuts her down. It says, "Life is pain, Your Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling you something, right?" And that to me is why scripture is so beautiful. It is not trying to sell you something. It acknowledges what's really going on. It, it, it does not shy away from the messiness in life. Sometimes an accusation against the Bible is just how messy the Bible is and how messed up the people that we read through the Old Testament especially are and just the, the kind of characters that you meet and, and what God has taken people through. The Bible is very honest. The Bible is very real about what's going on. And I think for, for us, as Christ's followers, that's an example that we should cling to. Recognizing just the, 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 the realities of life and not trying to compartmentalize them, not trying to, to shield them, but to be very honest with them, um, with somebody, somebody in your life, especially God, though. C.S. Lewis is you know kind of a titan of, of our faith. He's just a prolific writer, um, and he's an excellent Christian apologist. And some of his, his writings, I think, are probably the most influential for especially the modern church, but, you know, even through classical times. Um, and he wrote this one really great book. Um, he wrote it actually under, um, under a pen name, not his real name, um, and it was called A Grief Observed. And it was this book that he wrote after his wife had passed away. And as he was just kind of processing the grief and, and that tragedy, um, this quote right here, it was the first thing that kind of encapsulates what we read here in verses 3 through 9 For me. Um, let me read this and reflect upon with you. He says here, But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the other side. And after that, silence. I think when we read through those first couple of verses here in Psalm 88, this is kind of what you see here. It just feels like the door is slammed, the door is bolted, and then another bolt gets put on there and then you just hear silence. And so... Here's the setup, right? Very real emotions coming out here. A real honesty with God. We're not trying to hide this. We're not trying to withdraw from this. We're not trying to pretend everything's okay. But then the question starts to turn towards, what do we do with these things? What do we do with these emotions? How should we pray through these? And so, in the next section here, verses 10 on, um, we see a very rhetorical set of questions coming at God. Um, And so let's read through these. And let me kind of give you my thoughts on this and and why it could show us um, what the right way to do, to pray through the dark times are. Do you show your wonders to the dead? It's a rhetorical question. Do the spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave? Your faithfulness in destruction? are your wonders known in the place of darkness or are your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? Again, all these rhetorical questions. I mean, what's the answer to all these things? The answer is, well, no, but you know, there's something going on here in him. He's trying to say, like, like God, like, like I'm crying out to you. I'm seeking your help. I'm seeking your rescue. Do the dead praise you? Are the lost spirits going to rise up and give you glory? And that's his expression here. He's just calling back to God and just expressing, where are you? Where are you? The door closed in my face, double bolts, and silence on the other side. And there's these rhetorical questions coming out, just calling God and praying before him. And I think the example that we see here very powerfully is when we do go through these dark times, there's always a question about where do we take that emotion? Where do you take that darkness? Where do you take that sadness? The Psalms show us here very clearly that when you're going through those dark times, where do you take that emotion? Where do you take those feelings? You take it to the Lord. Where is his focus in this? Where is he seeking relief from this? Where is he trying to get his help from? It is from God, and only from God. The thing that you should see here too, these verses, is that there's never a question about whether or not God is good. There's never a question or a doubt in his faith. Rather, he's working these things out with the Lord, with God and praying through all these emotions. You know, in my life, I've gone through, you know, tough, tough situations. I have a, a little sister that passed away when she was 36 from stage four cancer. Um, I've had loved ones that you say goodbye to. It feels like the longer that you've been alive, the more that you see tragedy come into your life and the more heartache that comes through. And there's a couple of different ways you can go when you start to face that tragedy. And, and to me, it's, it's always very binary. Will I take this to the Lord, or will I seek my help from other places? There are a lot of things in this life that you can pursue. There's a lot of things in this life that you can, can go after to help relieve that pain and relieve that darkness. And a lot of those things can get you in a lot of trouble. And what we see here in these couple of verses, there's a crying out going on. The author is crying and and praying and asking the Lord to rescue him. But where does he start and where does he finish this prayer? It's right there with God. When you're going through any kind of tragedy or dark times, the question is always going to be, where do I take this? Who am I going to seek my shelter from? Who am I going to place this before? And the author tells us that, that these times of darkness can, can be long-lasting. And, and who knows how long? And there's a temptation there as you're going through these troubles to start to find other things, other people, other whatever it is, to find your hope, find your rescue, to find relief. Psalm 88 teaches us, though, that when you're in those dark times, just like he's doing here, he's continuously placing these these concerns and these tragedies and these issues before the Lord. Going to God with our despair and with our tragedy, with our doubts and fear, going to him is an act of faith. We've been talking about this in our Sunday school class, what faith is. Um, and simply put, Hebrews 11, 1, it teaches us, faith is putting your trust in God and having confidence in his promises. And so it becomes a question of faith. Where am I going to find my help? Where am I going to find my relief? Where am I placing my trust, and my hope in. And for, for those that follow God and those who follow Jesus, we place our faith in Jesus for everything, whether it's, it's our despair, our joy, and everything in between. We place it in him because we trust Christ, and we have our confidence in his promises to bring us to a better spot. The Bible, it's, it's, and again, this is a beautiful thing, it's, it's not idyllic, um, and, and it, it shows us the realness of this, and it shows us just how, how God meets us where we are. Um, one of my favorite stories that kind of illustrate this in the Old Testament is the story of Elijah um, that we find in First Kings 19. Um, if you're not familiar, in, in chapter 18, there's this incredible scene where between Elijah and almost a thousand uh, of, of prophets of these false idols, um, they have this, this battle royale on top of Mark, uh, Mount Carmel, and they basically are trying to challenge each other, That's figure out who's got the real God, and uh, spoiler alert, it turns out God, um, Yahweh, is the winner, and so um, it results in all the prophets being slaughtered and being taken out behind the shed. And it's just this, this moment of like, power and incredibleness that you see through Elijah. Then in chapter 19, he's threatened by a queen and kind of goes into hiding. And um, these words that we see here, th- these are the words of somebody that's really going through some tragedy. Um, he says here, Elijah was afraid it ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush and sat down and prayed that he might die. Just, just reflect upon the emotional state of this man. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush, and he fell asleep. The story continues that um, he fell asleep, and an angel actually came to him. And you, know, you would think that he showed up, the, the messenger gave him a kick in the rear, and said, let's go, we're going to the next thing. Um, but instead, what we read here in this book is that, that he gives him some soup, and he gives him some rest. And he meets him where he is. And he recognizes what's going on. And if you were to read through that story, no point does the angel tell him, turn your frown upside down, buddy. Let's do it. And in no place does he try to sugarcoat what's going on. And, and nowhere's in that text you see anything that, that does not acknowledge the reality of what Elijah is experiencing and what he's going in. And that's... That's, that's your God. That's your creator. And that's who he is. And that's where he meets you. And that's where he meets me. But the, the challenge for every believer and the challenge for all of us is always a question of where we will place our faith in. It's always a question of where we will find our help from. And there's a lot of things, like I said, in this life we could put our hope and faith into that could bring us down to a bad path down to destruction, and doesn't actually help us get through anything. We go to the Lord. We pray through our emotions, and we bring those to to God, and we place them before him, and, and we keep knocking on that door until the bolts come off and the door opens up. And I don't know how long that is, but I just know Psalms show us where we go. Our help comes from no place else but the Lord. In 13, he continues on, I cry out for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? And again, another example, and this is where I'm afraid I'm going to start getting repetitive, but I don't care because I want you to really get this. This is the problem that I think we have as sinful people. We take our pain, we take our darkness, we bring them before the Lord, we don't get that instant relief, we don't have that rescue that we're expecting, and so we go try something else. The psalmist here, the author, continues to go through God and keeps on bringing it to the Lord. And, and there's a prayer in, in the Old Testament that I think really um, highlights this attitude and this approach to dark times. Um, And it comes from the book of Habakkuk. Um, It's your favorite book right after Leviticus, I know. Um, But it's this incredible book of this back and forth between God and the prophet where there's just these things that are going on that are troubling, they're dark, they're awful. Um, And one of the most beautiful prayers I think you can find when you're going through darkness, and one that I, I lean on continually whenever I feel that darkness come to my life, are these words, though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, what's the prophet's response? What is his response to all these events going on in his life? All of this, this, this moments of poverty. What is his response? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God my Savior. What I really think it's important for for Christ followers to have is this this even if, even if type attitude. Even if this doesn't work out the way I was expecting. Even if. Um, that sickness doesn't get cured, even if the money doesn't come in, even if my my prodigal son doesn't return home, even if I can't reconcile with this person, even if the job promotion doesn't come through, even if, even if, even if, though these things can happen, yet I will still praise the Lord and I will still remain joyful in him. I think that's what Psalm shown is showing us here in the prayers here of Habakkuk. I think it shows us the same thing. Even if these things are true, even if we're going through darkness, even if there's times of, of trying and trials, um, I will still go to the Lord. I will still seek help from him. And I will not seek it from other places, but only from the Lord. All right, almost there. How are you guys doing? It, it's tough, right? It, it's, it's heavy. Um, but like I said... I really want this to be in your heart and your minds for whenever you are going through it, when you're about to go through it. Um, man, this is the thing that wrecks people's lives when they don't go to the Lord when they're going through tough times, and when they start to seek other other places for their help and for the rescue. The psalm ends here in 15 through 88. From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair your wrath has swept over me your terrors have destroyed me all day long they surround me like a flood they have completely engulfed me you have taken from me friend and neighbor darkness is my closest friend as as you examine your own life there, there's an invitation here in Psalm 88 to be honest with God. And, and that's really what I hope you see here. It's just that honesty in, in seeking out the Lord and continually seeking Him out um, until you get that answer from God and resolving to not find it and not, not, not go anyplace else for that rescue. It, it's really an open and authentic call to place your faith in God in the face of all the things that we see in our life. Again, sickness, poverty, um, rejection of friends, trauma, abuse, loss of job, um, a child's rebellion, a loss of a loved one, depression, and a host of other things. Psalm 88, it kind of welcomes us to to really come out and, and be honest with God and place those in front of him and pray through them continually with him, seeking answers only from him. Let me give you the ski jump. You made it, all right? If Psalm 88 is an invitation to that honesty with God and and, and, and bringing the the dark times and that despair to him, um, for me, the ski jump out of this and the thing that kind of helps us show the path forward um, it's always been James chapter 1. And so what I want to kind of do here, um, it's not going to be up here, and you don't have to turn to it. Just kind of listen through this. This is where we're going to end. Um, because I think James, it gives us a, a peek into what happens when we are faithful to put our, our, our emotions and that darkness before the Lord and continually seek them out. Um, And James, I think, kind of shows us what that looks like as we lean into the Lord, lean into the cross. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. When darkness comes, it can last a long time. James says, let's not shortcut through that darkness, but let's allow that darkness to produce perseverance And through that perseverance of maturity and complete and not lacking anything. Those of you that have been through hard times or on the other side of this, you know this to be true. Because when you get on the other side of that and you allow that darkness to to run its course and you persevere, you have maturity and you have a a completeness to your faith. Um, This is often why I say for myself, there's no logical argument that, you know, not that there is no logic to having faith, but um, there's not much people can say to me that can change my my faith in God, because I've experienced God in my life, and I've experienced him move in my life, and I've seen him respond to the tragedy in my life and bring me out on the other side, and now there's a completeness to my faith that is rock solid, it is firm, because there's no short circuit to the tragedy, but God worked through that in my life and has completed it. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I love this so much because sometimes you get that answer from God and you don't like it, right? He gives it to you, you don't receive it. You're like, eh, not that, something else. Actually this, actually that. I wasn't kind of expecting it to work out this way. I didn't really want to go through that, whatever it might be. Here James tells us, When you receive from the Lord, receive it and believe it and move forward with it. Don't try to dictate to God how he's going to rescue you. Don't dictate to God how he's going to help you reach completeness and persevere. Receive it from the Lord. Knock, knock, knock until the two bolts come off. And when it opens up, receive whatever comes through that door. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers with the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. And simply put, our trials can come, through form of suffering or forms of blessing. It comes in many different ways. But in verse 12, here's really the highlight. This This is the climax of the scripture. And this is where we want to land. And this is what I want to leave you with. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life That the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me. When you're going through those trials, when you're going through the suffering, when you're experiencing the consequences of a sinful world, we don't put that on God. We don't say, God has tempted me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. This right here, I think, really highlights how when you make that wrong choice and and bring those dark times, that tragedy, that emotion to the, the wrong thing, the wrong person, the wrong whatever, it can give birth to sin and sin to death. And you can take a bad situation and go to something worse but instead blesses the one who perseveres and stands that test of time because that person will be blessed by the lord and the lord has promised to do that to those he has loved him james concludes here and it's really 12 and 13 that i really want to focus in on because that for me is is the two paths when it comes to when you're praying through your emotions when you're praying through those dark times and that decision in front of you is, do I take this to the Lord or do I seek help from other places? It shows us that that when you're going through that particular situation, James is laying out that it can result in fruit in your life or thorns. It can result in a blessing or a curse. It can result in, in actually a completeness to your faith or potentially just dismantling your faith altogether. Psalm eighty-eight. It really shows us that it, it's okay to be honest with God with the realities of our life. But James shows us that when we do bring that to the Lord, and we do bring all those trials and darkness to God, and and we we ask God through honest prayer to come rescue us from this, and to come be our help, and to come be our salvation, whatever that may look like. Um, it shows us in James that. that God can bless us and perfect your faith. So let's close in prayer. And when we close, um, let's actually ask God to just examine our lives and find out areas where we can bring this to the Lord, bring it to the cross, and ask God to really speak truth into our lives and help perfect our faith. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today's message. Thank you for Psalm 88. It is is heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, But Lord we're grateful that it exists in Scripture. You are not afraid of what we're going through. You are not afraid of the trials that we experience. You're not afraid of the darkness that we have. The Bible is real about that, and so, God, we want to be real. I pray that for every person in here, whatever they're going through, that, Lord, our response would be to take any of these these tragedies, emotions, darkness, to you, Lord, and seek help from you. And, Lord, that we would... We would not seek others. We would not seek any earthly things. But instead, Lord, we would go to you continuously. Um, we just pray, Lord, that you would just, just be gracious. Um, you would receive us. Lord, you would sustain us. And Lord, we just pray for that perfection of our faith when we do do that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.